this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Greg Pokerki. Your guest's name is Claire Petrie from Remedy Intelligence Staffing. We talk about hiring for the advanced manufacturing industry, workplace culture, upskilling within your own, own organization, and a bunch of other really important things that can help your business succeed. I think it's a really great episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Rate us on iTunes, and thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. So tell us a bit about Remedy Staffing and what you guys do. Yeah, thanks for having us, Greg. Um, So Remedy is a full-service employment agency um, specializing in manufacturing, and we do all positions from entry-level, more skilled, and professional-level as well. So manufacturing is obviously a staple of the Buffalo Niagara economy. Uh, 66,000 people work in the advanced manufacturing industry, and unemployment in the region and across the nation is down to around 4%, which is making it harder to hire for a lot of people. Um, labor is kind of top of mind, and whenever we get a project in, that's the first question they ask us about is, am I going to be able to hire for the workforce that I'm bringing to the region? Um, so I want to talk a bit about recruiting for the manufacturing industry specifically. Uh, what do you think is kind of the best recruiting source for manufacturing companies because it's I think it's somewhat specific to their industry compared to others. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think um, we definitely can't forget about the um, national job boards for sure. So I think a lot of candidates um, in manufacturing are still looking to Indeed, um, CareerBuilder, LinkedIn, um, things like that. But what's really great about um, being able to recruit in Buffalo is we have all the partnerships um, with trade schools, refugee organizations like Journey's End, um, NIFIC, which is the Niagara Frontier Industry Education Council. Um, they're working a lot with like high schoolers that are interested in maybe not that four-year path, um, but trying to um, have them open their eyes to manufacturing positions. Um, so there's a lot of local uh, sources to tap into aside from the national job boards, but I think it's a combination of both. And then there's also the uh, kind of the more in-person like the the job fairs and stuff. I know Moog recently had one. I think I read in the Buffalo News there was like 700 people that attended a job fair. How effective do you think those are for manufacturers? Yeah, I think um, you're right. Uh, Job fairs are definitely a big source as well. I think that kind of ties into the networking side as well. So that kind of having in-person connection um, with people is a great way to recruit. So um, yeah, I think companies do need to consider who their target audience is, what types of openings they have. Um, Depending on that, um, they can decide on the timing when they want to host the career fairs, what times of year um, to target certain times of people, as well as considering Um, evening or weekend um, openings to meet with their ideal candidates as well. And those weekend slots or evening slots target maybe people that are aren't unemployed but underemployed? Yeah, absolutely. Or since, like you mentioned, we have such low unemployment right now, sometimes they're folks that are currently, yeah, working um, and looking for a change or, like you said, underemployed and could have um, a better suited opportunity for them. Right. We do... um, Every four years, our organization does a labor market assessment, and I think in the most recent one, there was 132,000 people that self-described themselves as underemployed, so that's Mm -hmm. a a large pool to pull from, and the Wall Street Journal actually did a story partially about Buffalo's unemployment pool and and that being a way to 
upskill and, and hire out of. So that is a, a good point. Yeah, I just wanted to mention too, going along those lines, I think if you're going to have a job fair as well, um, you just also have to consider what types of marketing channels you're going to use to get that out. Um, Because I think that's a big thing too. A lot of job fairs um, happen without the um, networking or professional affiliation like relationships, so they don't attract as many people as they were looking for. So I think they're good tools as long as you can um, advertise them and market them um, through knowing the correct people or the right agencies to be spreading the word and things like that. So a snafu would be like, just promoting it via social media and not going through those professional agencies? I think, well, social media is huge for sure. Um, Yeah, I think you should probably get good traction with that. But I think, um, yeah, if you're using um, your own personal networks as well, um, say like, you know, an HR or American Staffing Association, things like that that we're involved in, um, those kind of channels locally can help as well. Right. Um, So I wanted to talk a bit about the workforce that we have in Buffalo, Niagara. Um, We hear it anecdotally a lot that people are impressed by our workforce and kind of the blue collar, hardworking, city of good neighbors. Um, But there are quantitative ways to tell that story as well through low turnover rates and stuff. So what do you guys see that makes our workforce either unique or or just skilled and, and as a positive force to help companies? Yeah, I think um, the strengths of our workforce in Buffalo is definitely that um, Buffalo is a small community, very family oriented. So um, people are really hardworking. They have that roll up their sleeves attitude and they generally want um, better for themselves and their family and their community. Right. And how do you guys differentiate between the hard skills and soft skills and, and what makes Buffalonians stand out in the soft skills? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. I think it's something that companies do um, need to consider for sure. Um, in manufacturing, I think um, it's definitely easy to focus more on those hard kind of hands-on um, types of skills, but um, we're seeing companies more and more looking for that dependability, reliability, um, loyalty, things like that. So I think companies um, will be better able to evaluate their talent if they're screening for both. And a company that's looking for some of those skill sets, you know, you're someone that they can leverage to to weed that out in the interview process? Yeah, absolutely. So we do a lot of behavioral-based interviewing and situational type questions depending on the level of the candidate. Um, So we'll definitely want to probe into that more and kind of their work history, why they left certain positions, what they're looking for next, um, and why kind of understand their motivations and who they are a little bit more too. Um, Because I think obviously when you hire someone, you bring that whole entire person to work and not just that technical knowledge. Right. So with recruiting being tough and a tight labor market, what are the specifics or machinations of the application process that can make it easier to get people in the door and break down barriers of entry? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think being an employer of choice um, starts with how you're interacting with applicants and candidates. Um, so typical um, kind of things that we recommend our clients consider are um, their application process. So just how lengthy it is, how um, difficult it might be to access. A lot of candidates are doing things from their smartphones um, while they're on the bus, while they're traveling, things like that. So making sure things are mobily optimized. And then response time um, is a big one as well. So if you're using, again, those major job boards or online application processes um, candidates don't really hear from a live person sometimes right away Um, so keeping them engaged right from the beginning um, will help you be seen as an employer of choice someone they really want to work for Um, and then once they get in the door you can kind of further that relationship so then once they are in the door how important do you think the workplace culture is 
to keeping those people happy so that you don't have higher turnover and are constantly having to hire in, in such a tight labor market. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, the workforce has changed a little bit when it comes to the old like traditional model of just sit at your desk from nine to five, I'll see you at the end of the day kind of thing. And we're seeing a lot of candidates um, and employees are looking for that constant feedback, learning opportunities, room for growth. Um, so making sure that you're, um, again, targeting your culture and your environment to those types of people that you want to work for you um, and offering what that type of workforce is looking for. And there's obviously employers have to offer, everybody knows, competitive wages, competitive benefits, but what are the smaller things like, you know, company picnics and incentive programs to, to keeping morale high? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, again, it depends like on the type of workforce that you have and kind of being in tune on what they're really looking for. But uh, we're seeing um, flexibility um, with work time or schedules, um, different types of vacation PTO programs and professional development opportunities um, being big things that are important to folks these days. And it's not just employees don't really want or aren't drawn to an environment where it's punch in, punch out and no communication or or no you know care for anything outside of the workplace right yeah no i love how you mentioned that so yeah definitely the constant feedback um the room for growth and yeah the competitive wages are important but some people um we've seen will consider the work environment and the flexibility of the vacation time over the pay rate sometimes too so those are definitely important factors right and as we go through more retirements and and backfilling the workforce pipeline do you see that trend continuing and going further Absolutely. I think employers just need to be in touch with their workforce. We're seeing um, kind of new generations of employees really liking um, engagement with their employers. So like you said, a lot of communication um, and, and newer workforce has different priorities as well. So I think, um, yeah, if employers are just in touch with their workforce and offer that communication and engagement, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. So the one thing we wanted to talk about is how to make yourself, we talked a little bit through the application process, but how to make yourself more accessible to a workforce. Um, Do you think things like being close to public transportation and and location are are helpful to that or is that something a company doesn't have to worry about as much? I think that's a big consideration. So it definitely depends what type of company you are, what types of talent you're going to need, and what the demographics are of those people. So um, absolutely, depending on the work location, if it is um, public transportation accessible will depend on if you're going to be able to get the talent that you need. And we've seen multiple articles about the refugee population in Buffalo helping to stymie our population loss, but also backfill our manufacturing workforce pipeline. Um, What do you think is, are there anything specific to that demographic that can help people hire, whether it is public transport or paper applications, things like that? That's a great question. So as an example, um, like Remedy serves as a partner to local community organizations that work with refugees, and we offer um, online as well as paper applications, as well as applications in up to 10 different languages. So I think it's being aware of your potential employees' needs um, so you're able to hire them. So whether that might be transportation, um, language, um, training in different aspects. Some people don't learn best watching videos. They want to do hands-on, things like that. So just being aware of the population and what you would need to offer. Um, as it becomes more difficult to hire, retaining talent is important, but also to be able to promote from within and have upward mobility. 
to scale people up and then backfill some of the lower level entry level jobs seems important. Um, how do you build a culture where that kind of um, ambition, I guess, is, is fostered for people? And as a company, how can you invest in your employees to, to give them that upward mobility? So employers definitely need to invest in their staff in order to keep them. So there are a lot of opportunities right um, out there right now, as you mentioned. Um, so it's really a candidate market. They have a lot of options to choose from um, right now. So having a culture of rewards and recognition and upward mobility helps people obviously to feel valued and connected to your organization so they don't feel that need to look elsewhere. And I love that famous quote you've probably heard, what if we train them and they leave? What if we don't train them and they stay? Um, so I love that. And I think people are afraid to provide that training because they think they'll leave. But if you want to take your business to the next level, your talent is that primary asset. So you have to invest in them to grow. Um, so we recently hosted a tour of the new Northland Workforce Training Center. Um, for those that don't know, it's a workforce training center for the advanced manufacturing and energy industries on the east side of Buffalo. They're hoping to train 300 to 400 graduates per year in those industries. Um, was that your first time at the center? Yeah, it was. Okay. It was great. And how big of an asset do you think that is for our advanced manufacturing workforce pipeline and our region in general? I think it's a huge asset. So I love that Buffalo is being progressive to fill a need in our community. So obviously it's for the businesses that are here, but also for that revitalization of that piece of the Buffalo community as well. So I think um, obviously we don't want businesses to um, move elsewhere or automate because we don't have the talent. So it's great that we're creating that here and providing more skills and jobs as well. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming to the tour. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Before I let you go, we have a couple Blizzard Round questions. Quick, hard-hitting, journalistic questions. If you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Cotton candy. A uh, book or TV show that you'd recommend? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this one always stumps people. Well, I know what I want to say, but it's not like relevant to the podcast. That's fine. Okay. Nobody ever says something relevant. <laughs> Okay. Okay, good. I'm good then. Booker of TV show. HR from the Heart by Libby Sartain. Okay. Text or phone call? Text. Bills or sabers? Sabers. Hiking or skiing? Skiing, but neither. I'm very clumsy. That's kind of, I'm not clumsy, but <laughs> I don't do it either. <laughs> and last question, chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Flats. All flats all the way. All right. I'm a drumstick guy. Mm. We can split 10. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bell Ringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded, nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.